Hello, the Cross Friends. Welcome to Laxbeat, the podcast formerly known as Boxel Beat. I am your host, Stephen Stamp. Very pleased to have you with me here this week on the show. We have an interesting conversation coming up with Tim Semish and David Mather, who are a couple of the members of the committee that is creating the NABL, the North American Box Across League. It is a new league arising from the ashes of the IBLA, and it's pretty interesting. We get into all the facets of what's going on with the league, when it's going to be starting, which is this year, more details and uh, lots of info about that with David Mather, who is a goaltender, has played for the United States at two world championships. Tim Semish, a former National Football League tight end, who was a defender for Israel at the 2019 World Championships in Langley. And they are part of the committee that is forming the NABL, that is working to create exactly how it's all going to work. We get into a lot of details with David from Seattle and Tim coming from Nashville to talk about the creation of the NABL, its roots in the IBLA, and their vision for the growth of adult box across in the United States. But first, we will get to the news of the world of lacrosse. That's coming up right after this as we get rolling with Laxbeat. All right, as promised, we are getting to the news of the lacrosse world. First, some news about Laxbeat. We do have some new features coming up. A bit of a tease because we're not going to tell you exactly what they are, but some cool stuff coming in upcoming episodes of the show in the very near future. And we'll get into details about that as we are ready to roll with some of the new features. But uh, be some cool stuff. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Come back regularly to check out Laxbeat and everything that is happening in the world of lacrosse as far as the news go the big story recently has been or a big story jumping out uh, the way lacrosse tends to shoot itself in the foot there have been ongoing issues between the Tuareton Lacrosse League and the Ontario Lacrosse Association the TLL has now sued the OLA for 2.2 million dollars in their statement the TLL said the goal of the litigation is to stop the OLA from interfering with the TLL's operations and to recover lost revenue arising from the OLA's conduct a big part of that conduct was the OLA releasing a statement last summer just before a combine that the TLL had organized in partnership with the National Lacrosse League in which the OLA stated Anyone who took part in that or other non-sanctioned leagues or events would be suspended for two years from the OLA, as well as being suspended from all Ontario provincial teams and Canadian national teams. Uh, we're going to have more about this topic in future episodes. We'll be reaching out to reps of both organizations to invite them on the show to give their side of the dispute and let you know what it all means for the players who, unfortunately, as usual, suffer the consequences when leagues or organizations try to stop players from playing the game that we all like to say we're trying to grow. And some maybe doing more to grow than others. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, people in the game throwing up roadblocks to trying to grow. Um, you never know what will happen when something goes to court. The legal system is notoriously baffling. Uh, we see evidence of that all the time. You just don't know what will happen. But on the face of it, the suit seems fairly easy to predict. The TLL is alleging that the OLA enacted measures to restrict the TLL from functioning. And that is obviously exactly what the OLA did. I mean, that was the point of their entire release was to stop the TLL combine from happening and to stop players from considering going and being part of the TLL. It, was, it wasn't expressly stated, but it was from the way the you know, releases from the OLA were 
sent out, it was, it was obvious that was what they were aiming at. So the OLA will have to argue that there's some reason why it would be okay for them to do that. Again, you never know what will happen in a lawsuit, but it's hard to imagine the TLL would not win in this case. The question, I guess, would be how much money they'd receive in judgment. Uh, would they get $2.2 million as they'd asked for? Would there be some other amount applied? Uh, I do suspect that the money, while it'd be useful for a new league, obviously for any lacrosse league, every, every league could use some revenue, but uh, you've got to think it is the, that the money is secondary. You're just getting the OLA to stop standing in the way of the TLL operating, uh, you'd have to think the most likely scenario is some kind of settlement out of court. Uh, that, of course, will depend on what each side is willing to accept in terms of compromise. We'll see how things play out and hopefully hear directly from representatives of both parties in upcoming episode, episodes of Laxbeat. There is a lot going on actually on the floors and fields, so let's get to some of that, shall we? U.S. Collegiate Hockey has gotten underway. Make sure you go to Inside Lacrosse for coverage of all the games, the players, and the stories of what we're all hoping is the first full season of college lacrosse in three years. Yeah, it's been since 2019 since there was a full season of college lacrosse. Crazy to think about that and how the players have been affected and what the long-term effects could be for collegiate lacrosse, for box lacrosse, summer lacrosse, international lacrosse. A lot of things really pushing forward, but we're going to see what the the impacts are of this of this pandemic on the game. Still on the field, the PLL has announced its first six destinations for its traveling roadshow of a league this summer. They'll open in Albany on June 4th and 5th, go to Charlotte the following week, the weekend after that to Long Island, and then go to Baltimore. Uh, the following week, they will go to Minneapolis, and then... Right now, it's scheduled to be a week off, and then July 16th in Boston for the All-Star Game at Gillette Field. On the turf, the Arena Lacrosse League East has opened, finally, with a high-scoring Week 1 of action. There were four games, three times, teams scored at least 20 goals. Peterborough beat St. Catharines 25-18 in the highest-scoring Arena Lacrosse League game in the league's five-year history. That 25 goals also matched the single-game high for any one team in one game. Peterborough went 2-0. They also scored 20 in their other game as they beat Paris 20-11. So a big weekend for the Timbermen. Toronto and Six Nations also won their openers, so the Monarchs and Snipers go to 1-0. Meanwhile, the Oshawa Outlaws, Whitby Steelback, Steelhawks, St. Catharines, uh, Shockwave, and Paris all looking for their first wins as they open up in Week 2 in the Arena Lacrosse League West. The standings, as they have been playing for most of their season, they're nine weeks in, and they've started playing some weekday games, which is fun, you know, getting out to the uh, LEC Langley Event Center Fieldhouse Turf on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. The Sea Spray are 6-3, and three, the Grizzlies are 5-4, and four, the Shooting Eagles are 4-5, and five. but the hottest team right now is the Blackfish, who had trailed the pack all season long. They were the lowest scoring team in the league, but... They have exploded. They found their scoring touch. They've won their last two games, 17 to 16 and 19 to 17. So obviously could still use some work on the defense. Um, but when you're scoring that number of goals, it certainly helps as they have got two wins in a row for the first time. And in the National Lacrosse League, we have hit the one-third mark of the season. So let's take a quick peek at some of the players who are leading the way. Lyle Thompson often considered the best all-around overall lacrosse player in the world. He is leading the NLL in goals and points. 
Uh, you've got some other players who are having very strong seasons. And you see, uh, you know, some guys really scoring well. Like Kevin Crowley is doing very well. Callum Crawford. Uh, those who have been near the top of the scorers for the last couple seasons. Car Crawford, of course, would have led the league in scoring the last two years had he not been suspended a couple years ago, but he has been the top guy for a while, and he is right up there amongst the leaders. Now, if you look at the leaders in points per game, Ryan Lee and Dane Smith, both at seven points per game. Lee actually at seven point something. So they are actually doing very well. They've only played six games each, where some others have played seven, eight, or nine games. So they are a little bit behind those guys in total points in the counting stats, but they are right up there in points per game. And Jeff Teat, who had to miss some games early in the season, he is ripping it up, up there leading the way in points per game. And we'll see if... Having missed those two games, if he can keep it going and catch everybody and challenge for a scoring title in his rookie year, he has already probably got a pretty good hold on the Rookie of the Year award, except that Reed Bowering has been sensational for the Vancouver Warriors. He is among the leaders in loose balls in the league. He has been fantastic as a two-way D transition player and playing like a veteran already. I mean, I think everyone suspected he would be very good coming into the league. Vancouver certainly thought he was ready to jump in and play a big role. He might be playing a bigger role even than anyone thought he would right off the bat. He has been outstanding. When you look at the goaltenders, it's interesting. You know, the last season we played, we had a record number of goalies with save percentages above 800. Uh, there'd only been a few of those who played enough to qualify for for awards and things, who had actually had save percentages for a full season above 800. And then we had half a dozen in 2020, led by Doug Jamison, but a whole bunch of guys. Well, this year, we've got five again who have played a substantial number of minutes who are above 800. Dylan Ward leading the way with an 816 save percentage. Matt Vince right behind him. 811 Warren Hill at 809. Ryland Hartley is at 805. I'm not actually sure. I don't think Hartley is a rookie because he did play five games and actually got to season. So no, he's not a rookie. He played too much in 2020, but he only played a handful of games. Now with Evan Kirk not being available for Rochester, Hartley is thrust into a starting role and he has been pretty sensational. Uh, he faces a ton of shots. Rochester still working on some kinks on their defense as a young team. And uh, he's given up some goals, but he has had some great, great stretches. Um, and Alex Bouquet rounding out that group with an 802 save percentage in 341 minutes. Uh, you've also got Craig Wendy and Eric Penny both at or above 800, but neither of them has played very much. So can't really count them in there, but Penny had the one full game and was fantastic. So the goalies, once again, doing very well early on and now a third of the way into the NLL season. We're actually getting relatively close in terms of number of games to how many games we're able to play in total in the 2020 season that had to be stopped because of the pandemic. So it'll be pretty cool to push through that. And, uh, you know, another few weeks we'll be getting to that point. So uh, very cool to see that. Hopefully things will keep flying along. We've got, they have, do have some games that have been postponed that they have to be made up. There are still some things like Halifax still playing in Hamilton because they can't play at home in Nova Scotia. But for the most part, things going pretty smoothly, really moving forward for the National Lacrosse League, which is so exciting because it's been so long and so difficult for everyone involved, obviously in and out of 
the NLL in and out of lacrosse. But great to see from our perspective that things are going well and cruising along. So we will uh, get on now to our interview. Remember, David Mather and Tim Semish talking about the North American Box Lacrosse League right after this. All right, joining me on Laxbeat are David Mather and Tim Semish, who are two of the principals in uh, a new league that it sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting, but there's a lot to unpack. So first of all, welcome, uh, Dave and Tim, to the show. Glad to have you with me. Good to see you, Stan. And it's nice just to catch up. I mean, we've all been going through this for a couple of years. I haven't seen you guys since, I guess, uh, Tim would have been probably Langley in 2019 at the Worlds when you were playing for Israel. Yeah, yeah the world. Uh, yeah, and Dave, uh, were you trying to think? I think we're on the same time. Probably the same same tournament. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been two and a half years of not getting to see each other, and uh, it's always fun running into you guys at the rink. So I'm really happy to have you here, and uh, uh, glad to hear that there's new things happening. But just to to lay the get the lay of the land for everyone, um, as I said, you know, Dave, you're in Seattle, and Tim, you're in. Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, you're, there was a league over the last few years, the IBLA Inter, Interstate Box Lacrosse Association, that grew like crazy. Um, I know Brandon Shraga did a ton of work to make it happen. It started fairly small. It got up in its final season last year to, I think, 52 teams in 17 regions. Um, just a massive undertaking. And my understanding is that it basically doesn't exist now is that a fair thing to say or is it kind of up in the um, yeah i believe it's it's rebranded a little bit into the elite box across right um or elite box league up in upstate new york in the metro area um yeah he brandon did a great job laying the groundwork and opening the door i think the way it exploded really shows how much of a demand there was for a box league um uh true one to to be run in the States the way that there's the CLA in Canada. And um, yeah, I think it just kind of grew too big for one man. Uh, Butch came at the end of the season last year, a bunch of the teams got together and we're open to make a couple changes. And um, we weren't able to come to agreements with them. And uh, when, when all said and done, it was, there was an opening for a new league and new people to run it. So um, yeah, we figured we could fit in, fit in there and, um, keep this thing run. So it's a it's a senior men's league, um, and run it ran like we said in seventeen regions across the United States. And the new league, Tim, I think you were going to jump in, but it, it's the North American Box Across League, right? The NABL. Yeah, the NABL. Um, we went back and forth over a bunch of different names, um, but we wanted something like uh, Dave said that represented the whole the whole continent, the whole states, um, to kind of help grow the game. Uh, both Dave and I are guys that you know took shots at the NLL and. We want to build this to something that can help guys reach that goal. It's not just a kind of a club thing. It's something that can really push the tones of semi-pro and professional. And what is at this point, what, I mean, the fact that we've got somebody in Seattle, somebody in Tennessee, and I know there's, you know, there's things happening on the East coast, which is the more traditional hotbed for, for lacrosse and box, you know, including box lacrosse in the U S but how broad is the range? How many teams are we looking at? What is the, what is the NABL at this point? Uh, so right now, our, our executive board is made up of seven members, all uh, three from the East Coast, Dave in Seattle, myself in Nashville, 
Uh, and then our executive director, our lady friend, uh, Rachel Anderson up in Minnesota. Um, so we got people from all different parts of the country, um, all different regions of the country represented. Um, right now, I think we're around high 20s to low 30s of teams that are committed to play for the season with a lot of other teams that are still addressing, um, kind of licking their wounds from the former league. And, and just, you know, in the winter months, everyone's kind of focused on field down here. Mm-hmm. So people are still kind of in the um, kind of building phases for the summer. Um, we're eyeballing, you know, that low 30s. Uh, we're going to run it similar to how leagues were run in the past. Um, but we want it to where people are playing outside of their little bubbles in the country. Um, so it's not two teams in the same city or same state playing each other all the time. We want to encourage teams to play across their regions and hopefully encourage teams to eventually play, you know, across the States. So you're still sorting out the, the leagues, like what they'll be, how the teams will be formed into, into groups. Is that the idea? We're sort of um, developed. We have, we went into it with, with a broad idea. Of, uh, of making six regions across the country and uh, and dividing those into the divisions, which um, were traditionally called regions. Uh, but the, the idea is to, to have six broad regions, the West Coast, the Rocky Mountains, the Midwest, the East Coast, Northeast Coast, South, and the Gulf Coast. Um, have those guys, have those teams play for their regional championship, uh, get, get the team, uh, get six solid teams together for nationals to make it a little more competitive. Um, and then around that still throw a festival open tournament so we can still have our big gathering like we, uh, like we have in the past with the IBLA nationals. We'll have, we'll have open to more teams, um, let them come in, play, play their games and that night or during that sections during the day, uh, host the big games and um, yeah, make it, a, make it a fun experience at nationals. I just and I do want to jump in. I didn't, didn't mention. I assume you guys are both planning to play still and not just be organizers. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, for the time being, at least. Um, I mean, we we kind of we announced the league about three weeks after we we decided it was time to make it. Um, for the time being, for to make this first couple seasons runs, we're going to be the guys putting it together. Um, the idea is to try to move it away from people running the teams at some point. Um, where we're kind of taking a build it once, build it right, uh, build, build, build it right, build it once mentality where we want to set this up to run forever, um, to be the the benchmark for um, men's, men's box in the U.S. So it's not about having us be the people, it's about making the league um, correctly to be run for a long time. And when you say to have people move away, have move away from having people involved, you mean like the sort of player-centric model where – somebody wants a team so they kind of start a team it's a player and they they build the team they run the team they it, it tended to be right a lot of players involved in a lot of the admin as well yeah at, at this point at this point we're still gonna i think we're still in a grassroots movement mm-hmm. where you're gonna have it's gonna have to take people who will say like we, the the other day we started announcing post our regions on um the box league the box the underscore box underscore league on instagram and uh, we had a lot of people come out and reach out about, hey, when is, when's there going to be a team in this area? When's there going to be a team in this area? And we're really encouraging those people to start take, taking a look at it. We've got um, one of the things we offer as a league is development pa- packages that will kind of lay out the groundwork and the steps to putting putting that together. When we say we're trying to move away um, from the players running it, uh, we like one of the ways we've set this up to 
have a little more hands-on experience at the national level as regional governors or commissioners um, who, so each, each one of our six regions will have somebody who's there and involved, um, understands the refs in the area, understands the arena situations. Um, you can call on game day and say, Hey, this, this ref isn't showing up. They can get on the horn and hopefully make the game happen still. Um, those right now, those are going to be us, uh, the, the seven who are, were voted on, voted in to help reach out to the previous league. Um, but in the, in the long term, we're trying to make it neutral parties. Um, so when big decisions come up, there's no bias. And I think with the six, seven people we have involved and the six people being regional governors, I, I truly trust them to, to make those unbiased calls. But um, in the long term, for, for the sake of set up, set up once, set up right, um, we got we to gotta make sure we're covering that. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I know you're saying like the idea, Tim, you mentioned that, uh, you want it to be a pathway for guys to get to the highest levels they can get to. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, I mean, David, you came up and played in Canada. Uh, you're in Langley. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. back there in the arena lacrosse lacrosse league now. That's right. That's right. I saw you just uh, you played this weekend, uh, and uh, big win, right? Seventeen sixteen, last second. Yeah. One and a half seconds left on the clock. John Phillips from the outside. It was it was a great game. Um, yeah, it's it's been an awesome league up there. It's it's fun. I, I thought about playing it when I was playing it when I was living out east. I moved home to kind of set roots and then to have that pop up so close to my backyard. It's been an awesome jump for me. Yeah, it's close enough. Tim, you don't you don't have anything that close. So you're uh, you're spending your time coaching, uh, coaching Vanderbilt, I know, and and working on this. But uh, with that idea to to create something like you see in Canada to to have a natural flow towards professional and the highest levels of senior across what is that you're kind of modeling it on what you guys have seen from Canada yeah so we uh we've talked to a handful of people um that everybody on the board has different connections so we've we've pulled some consultants in um asked a lot of questions looked at a lot of different models and we're trying to take what we can and apply it to the states knowing that there's still going to be a little bit of a difference um and Dave talked about it a little bit in our development one of the biggest things in the league is we have people elected and we want to add subcommittees as well to help teams kind of pass their knowledge down. Cause some teams have junior teams and some teams have done a great job of creating their own pipeline from middle school all the way up to the men's league, but in former leagues. And I mean, this has been around since even before the IBLA, you would see teams pop up maybe 10 or 12 guys who played college ball together. And then they would kind of age out. And then that team would just kind of disappear. Whereas we want to kind of help teams develop their own little pipeline, their own little systems to where you have kids who play together, middle school, high school, go off to college, play college ball, come back, play in the summers. And you kind of have that pipeline. So the guys who are playing now can be coaches and GMs five to 10 years from now. And, you know, we're not seeing teams rebrand, cities rebrand and all that stuff. We can have hundred year traditions like they do up North. Um, And that's what we have to lay those roots now. So one of the things that our main focus is this first year is while we want a successful season, we're also helping as many people as we can, even if it's just sending out, you know, information and packets of like, here's how you set up an LLC. Here's how you set up a nonprofit. Here's how you set up camps, clinics. Cause there are a lot of teams that have box in places in the United States where high school coaches and players don't even know what box across is. They don't know it's beneficial to their players yet. Um, so we're just trying to help people kind of build those foundations. It's funny because being in Canada, you know, being in Ontario, we hear nothing but, 
you know, the, how important Vox is for how helpful it is for, for field, you know, guys like Matt Brown in Denver and, um, you know, so many, so many people who have incorporated Vox into their field programs at, at very high levels and, you know, all across the board in, uh, in U.S. colleges. And it's, so it's interesting that you're saying, you know, there are places that haven't even heard that, haven't got, kind of got that message. And I think it's, uh, it's it's just so obvious to us in Canada that the you know the the box game is is uh, can can transfer a lot of what the box stuff can transfer to field. Uh, one of the things I think from the the box perspective is box is booming in the U.S. I know uh, you, you hear a lot, and I, I've talked to a lot of people and seen a lot of different things happening. It does tend to seem seem to tend to be focused on the the youth level. Um, a lot of you know getting it going on the sort of five to college age level whereas you guys are producing a senior league um i'm curious if there's any connection because i mean the, or if you've worked with with folks because there's obviously us box the usil there's the different uh the different brands that are doing a lot of a lot of things there's a lot of development all over the country and there's so much lacrosse in the us i'm just wondering what the interactions are i guess that you guys have we that was a big part of our process was reaching out to other other entities like like Tim was saying, kind of consultants and and the such. Um, the U.S. Boxla is focused on a tournament model. Um, they'll be playing a men's tournament se series this summer. I know my team's planning on playing, um, but the there's space and there needs to be a, a league um, where where you're you're playing your local rivals. You're you're, you're playing your teams year in, you're out, you're building that hundred year history. Um, so we reached out to them. We, we, we wanted to see if they were looking to do something like this. It wasn't in um, their interest or their cards. Um, we connected with a few other people, but at the end of the day, it felt like everybody had a little bit more, like everybody wanted a part and wanted a little bit more of their agenda while our goal was not, I mean, rightfully so agenda. I don't mean that to be a weighted word. Um, and we, our goal was to make a successful men's box league in the summer. And that's what we, I think we're going to be able to do with this group. Um, that, that sound about right, Tim. Yeah. Um, I think the, I, again, I don't want to say the issue, like it's a weighted word, but the, our issue was with the tournament model. If I take a team from Nashville and we meet in a tournament and I play Dave's team from Seattle, that's great. It's great competition. I've played Dave in Vegas before and in other places. And I, I love trying to score on Dave. Um, but trying. I, I got two on you. I got at least two on you. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't build anything in, our, in either of our respective communities. And at a local tournament, it's hard to sell that to, Oh, if you're in, let's just say Chicago, it's hard to sell to Chicago kids, watch this random team from Nashville and this random team from Seattle play each other. Whereas if I can get a couple teams nearby cities to come to Nashville, I can sell that to my high school kids. I can sell that to youth leagues to come out and watch the box game and actually get a, a local kind of grassroots movement going around in each city. And that's what we think will lead to down the road, those pipelines being built, those foundations being built to where, you know, 30 years down the road, hypothetically, the Nashville Ignite is on a plane to go play the Seattle Kings and it's a big time rivalry kind of thing. Um, and, you know, it's streamed or it's on TV or something like that, but tournaments are great and they're great for the game. Um, but it didn't, meet our quote-unquote agenda to grow everyone's own individual like grassroots grow the brands grow the teams kind of thing 
I mean, you bring up streaming down the road. That's one thing that immediately I always think about and a lot of people think about because visibility is so important. I would imagine it's a bit uh, a bit early to know where you stand with with that, but uh, ultimately, obviously, that that's a goal. Any any thoughts? Any progress in that area? Yeah, we we have plans um, this year to host streams that teams could put on. Mm-hmm. Um, we it's, it's it's been talked about uh, being put on the website, or if not, at a minimum, YouTube. Um, that that we allow teams to either host or, or post their their games um, on the website. It will be it's not something that every team's going to have the ability to have. A, the good one big thing about one big issue to tackle with U.S. Um, men's box is people have all sorts of different facilities and running different programs. Like the Utica Yeti up in uh, up in Utica, um, they they host they get fans every night. They host in the in the AHL barn um, and put on a good, good show, good production and, and know what they're doing versus, I mean, me personally, we play in an indoor soccer rink that we share with um, Everett, the other team in our, our area. And it's, it's the best we can do. We've put some games up on Twitch, but we don't have production value or anything like that. So it, we cover a large span of teams. Um, so it, we're, we're going to be able to host it when we can, when, when teams are able to um, allow, allow teams to use our platforms to promote themselves and promote our game. Um, but it's not something we're actively pursuing as of yet. Webmaster Tim, is that right? Yeah. Uh, so our, our website will have the ability uh, linked through YouTube, I believe. And we've had a couple preliminary discussions with like score break and huddle and different programs that allow you to do that. Um, but like Dave said, everyone's on their own scale when it comes to rinks and some people are playing at outdoor YMCA rinks that don't even have power or Wi-Fi besides a scoreboard. Um, so that's, that's a long-term goal, but right now we want to be able to allow people to at least get their games on the internet, even if it is, you know, a day or two later. Um, so we're going to help teams, you know, develop YouTube pages and then link that to our website to where maybe you can watch a live stream game if you got the time, or you can go back and watch like the highlights or something like that. Um, you can go to like the Nashville Ignite or the Seattle Kings page and watch their highlights from the previous game or something like that. We'll leave it up to the team. So it's, it really is allowing the teams to grow their brand based on their work. If you want to do the work to put your games up and go through all of that and do cutups, great. If you don't have the ability to do that yet, that's also fine, but we'll help you get there. You've touched on the other, uh, the other big question that, that leaped out for me, which is facilities. Um, obviously, like you said, I mean, Utica had a great facility. I know the, the main Northman were in a pretty great barn. Um, you know, different teams have, have some terrific rinks some terrific venues and you said you know tim you mentioned some people in some outdoor rinks which can be fine i mean i i'm from peterborough ontario we have a history of of uh, some pretty amazing outdoor bowls not currently this is one that uh, is a little bit worse for wear but um you know there are outdoor facilities and dave you mentioned uh, you know the soccer facility and um what is the range like and what's the how, how are people doing and having facilities? I guess most of the teams did exist to some form, so they do have – you have home venues for everyone. Yeah. We, um, yeah, that, that was the big challenge. Um, the, in the previous leagues, they were paying the arena, arena bills based off of – was supposed to come, the money was supposed to come from the players directly to the league. League pays it back to the players. Um, that's one of the main differences in our model. 
Um, we are not paying the arena fees or dues. That that's up to the players. Up, to, I mean, pardon me, up to the teams. Um, we had last year there was, t- uh, there were arenas that cost fifteen thousand dollars for the day, or eleven thousand dollars for the day versus other arenas that cost two hundred twenty dollars an hour, and not all of them were getting paid. Um, so that that was a big, big chunk that we had to take care of um, and consider. Um, but yeah, it, it, it all comes down to different areas. All right. it, it's the biggest struggle in, in, for us in Washington where there's only so many indoor soccer arenas. Everybody's used to being outside in the, in the weather. So there's not a whole lot of draw there. Hockey's hitting the boom with the cracking in town, but not, not to the point where they're willing to, we're, we're not at the point with, with box across where they're willing to melt the, the ice for us in the summer. Um, it, it's, it's a challenge. In, in American lacrosse, um, but they, this I think I, we think that our model will allow teams to build more of a relationship with their local arenas. Um, you, they're allowed to use their logos and their their team names for for youth teams uh, without having to pay us for it, um, which is something new this year. Um, so, being able to build that community around your home rink, like you said, we've already had, we already have is one of the things that we think is going to set us apart and um, allowing those teams to succeed off their own, own success, build their own relationships and um, and make something happen in their local areas. Another factor obviously is uh, officials. Uh, it's always a challenge when you're, you're building it. I mean, in Canada, we have a massive shortage of shortage of officials. We had, um, you know, we run into challenges of being able to have enough refs for all the teams, for all the leagues, you know, between men's, women's, uh, boys, girls, all the different kinds. It's, it's so difficult to get enough because you constantly have to be developing things. Where, where are you getting refs? And, you know, do you have kind of a pipeline set up or, or a, a refs identified? Uh, that's kind of another part that we're working on. We have previous refs identified um, and we're working with the teams in the areas to kind of develop a pipeline because everyone kind of same, similar with the rinks, you know your refs in the area because most guys are coaching high school or college in their area. So they know their local ref associations. A lot of around the country, it's, it's all these little pockets of ref associations and it's, you know, it's three or four guys who kind of run the show. Um, so we're, we're leaning on teams to kind of make those introductions. And then we have a referee in chief, um, Scott, who's going to be in charge of that. And the point of that with the board helping um, to kind of, develop a pipeline of that of all right, who wants to step in the box game, who has stepped in the box game, who's a part of us box, the ref and stuff like that. Um, but we, we really want to make a, a big step forward in that sense, because in the previous years we were having refs who not only were they not box refs, but sometimes they weren't even across refs. They were just refs. And you had coaches who had high level experience or players, high level experience in the parking lot or outside the locker rooms explaining what rules are, explaining, you know, crease violations, uh, explaining the difference between a loose ball and a box game and a field game. Um, and I think a lot of refs kind of were out of their depth almost immediately stepping into a high level box game. You got guys yelling at them, chirping at them and stuff like that. Um, so that's one of the things that we're really leaning on. We know that year one is not going to be picture perfect and we're not going to get NLL Canadian refs every game. Um, but we really want the teams to kind of help us grow that pipeline and develop a system where the ref, the teams can even kind of rate their officials and be like, all right, these guys were good and learned over the year. These guys were bad and didn't. 
And the rest that were good, we as a league want to reward them with a way to make more money in the future and a way to develop and get certified and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's going to be a process just like a lot of this is, but our goal is to take, you know, major steps as we get through it. And this, in this first year, we're looking to um, put together some packages for just the basic from field to box. These are the, these are the basic points you, you need so we can at least offer a hand to the refs in, in those on, on, in those areas that box really hasn't, hasn't touched yet. Mm -hmm. um, some help along the way. But at a higher level, we, we really have to connect with some of the, the higher up refs in, in the area. In the area, I've talked with a few out of college. There's, I think there's four NLL ref, American NLL refs right now. Um, a couple out of – three of them are out of, out of Colorado, one out of South Carolina. And, um, yeah, getting, getting in touch with them, making, making sure that we can develop at a higher level. And there's, there's, ref, there's referees in, in the area who have more, more knowledge on – referee and box games and any single one of those on the board right now. So it's kind of, it's a, just, just like everything across the U S the animal in the U S is we have 50 different States with 50 different levels of box and, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's, we have to be able to help the, the lower end while not stepping on the toes of the people who have been there this whole time. And um, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be an interesting balance we have to find. And I, I certainly didn't mean to be, uh, you know, sounding gloomy about it just it always is such a big challenge and yeah. i think uh, david you'll probably remember back in uh, 2015 and on indaga at the world championships uh, tim i don't think you were uh, even playing lacrosse at that point it's uh, at this level I was, just... I was but secretly while i was still playing football oh <laughs> there you go okay so you're you're moonlighting as a lacrosse player while you're still being a tight end but uh, the uh, there was a youth game uh which was Pretty cool. It was a U.S. Canada game down at the uh, field house in Onondaga, which is the most gorgeous facility yeah. in the around. And uh, they brought some guys in who, uh, I, I guess, they were field refs, but they were really young guys, and they didn't really know they didn't know the rules at all. And they just kind of got tossed in, and you know, it, it was just a, a bit of a communication breakdown. But these poor kids, like coaches, were explaining to them during the game, like, no, no that's not actually a rule that you just called or that's not how the rule works. And those guys actually wound up just walking out. Like they, you know, the, the Maybe. one gate by the top, by the end near the change rooms and on a dock, yeah. they just went, opened that door. The one guy took his shirt off. They walk out to their, they were parked by the back doors and they just got in their truck and left. Yeah. Yeah. Part, part way through the game. And uh, the whole thing got held up. They had to, they actually brought in, I can't remember who it was that came in, but they brought in some really good refs. It might've, it might've been Ian Garrison, but they grabbed some guys who were around. Oh, and they came in. And, watching, yeah. But yeah, I remember I got there and there were, everyone was around. The place was full and everyone was just standing around and there was this big buzz. I was like, what's going on? They're like the refs left. It's like, what? Yeah. But I mean, and obviously you don't want to run into that. It's funny, Tim, when you said, you know, they were explaining they're, they're out in the back first. I thought you were going to say they're at, the coaches that were out yelling at the refs. Cause that's something you see as well. But, well that, um, that would happen. That would happen too, where yeah. the refs be screwing at the refs. Like I just told you that's not against the rules. Yeah. 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 It's a tough, it's a tough spot to throw people into. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we lost a referee this year in quit mid game or anything, but the midway through the season, it, it was, I'm not, I'm not staying, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. The, it was, we need to provide those people, those people to help in hand to, to get, to give them the framework. Like I was saying, yeah, I, I just 
want to throw some respect on the referees there. Hundred percent. They need yeah. to be supportive because you know it, it's it's easy to to criticize and to to pick at what they do, but it's it's such a hard job, um, and you know you, you can't expect people to, to step in and be perfect. It was I think Kerry Fraser or what there was one NHL ref who had a who said uh, yeah you know it's the the job description's easy you just have to go in start out perfect and get better from there yeah <laughs> have, you know and it's it's a, it's an incredibly difficult job and and like you said they're going to be the you know it's you guys are going to start up with a bunch of players who are passionate and have been learning the game and have a sense of the rules understand things and you're not always going to have refs as you know who have developed to that level and it's it's challenging we see that internationally where and i, I think world lacrosse is doing a lot of work to to develop refs in the field and box games and now in the sixes discipline um to be ready and to you know not just have all canadian and some american refs doing it you know like developing refs from europe and from asia and from everywhere uh it, it's a huge challenge but it's it's good to hear that you've got some some progress in that area um i'm curious what other what other challenges have you guys run into already that I haven't thought of? The name was hard. Dabble? The That's name, what you The name took us forever just because yeah. we had a lot, a lot of different acronyms that could have been it. Yeah. Um, a lot that have been used. A lot yeah. that have been used. Or you're, almost the, uh, you're almost the North American lacrosse league, right? The NAL? That was one of them. That was the Yeah. 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 And I, I remember that, that was a few years back too. Yep. The, the American Lacrosse League, but there's already an ALL. Yep. There's, yep. It just they went on and on like that. The I think our biggest challenge is just our biggest challenge is is, is helping teams in in areas to find needs because to go to go from um they were in in Seattle here we're talking to a bunch of uh, high school coaches to looking to just looking for advice. We're starting a youth team, and and we want to the what they're they're the feedback we're getting from some of the older older um, the older crowds has always been there. The, is that that they want it to be like Canada, where there's there's a local team for each each area. I was like, yeah, but we have to go from zero to one first. Yeah, and um, we see that in areas like Salt Lake City. There's there's a team that's passionate about playing right now, and and our, our biggest struggle is, is is finding them games. But with the model we're making, we're we're encouraging like uh, round robin PLL style weekends where we um where we get a bunch of teams together and there's we're there's a team popping up in Vegas. And so if we connect the Salt Lake City team through Vegas, we can bring in this the Southern California teams and get them six, three games over a weekend against uh, one team from Nevada and two teams from Cal. Uh, from California and then we we get get Vegas and Colorado to meet up in Salt Lake City and um it's just going to take some creativity uh and staying on this recruitment trail keep selling the the vision and just at the end of the day the success is going to come when we just if we we don't have to reinvent the wheel we just have to put together a good season and and continue to be successful and the teams will come there's some divided up there's some division right now in in u.s men's lacrosse and the fallout from everything and we think we just keep doing things right and it'll all end up in the right spot in the end 
Well, luckily, I mean, you've got a model in Canada where everyone gets along perfectly and all the leagues work together and everything's <laughs> nice and smooth across the board. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> <Canadian> right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's, uh, I guess the point is there's always challenges. I mean, we've got yeah. leagues suing each other here and we've got, you know, oh, yeah. you know, it's, you, you work in leagues and you see that the hardest thing they have is getting agreement just within a league. And then trying to yeah. have other people. So I, I I recognize the challenges you guys are facing. And it's good to hear that that approach. I mean, obviously, you know, there are challenges, there are continue to be challenges, but it's good, I think, that you're saying, hey, we got to start with step one, kind of build these things as we go. You, you can't be, you know, the Orangeville Northwind organization that could quit Lamadinex in a year or in in three years. I mean, those are things that have built up over over time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Back of our sweater, it says "Long live." We're that's that's the goal of this whole thing. We wanna we wanna build a build a program that's gonna stick around for a long time. I wanna see yeah. see kids in Kings jerseys when I'm dying. I'm when I'm up old and gray on my deathbed. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a bit before that, man. We're hoping to have you yeah, right. for a long time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, like have the legacy, summer right? too, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, I think that's probably most of. What I was curious about when I heard what was going on, um, are there other things you guys want to touch on, Tim? Anything else you want to uh, add to it? Or uh, no, I mean I'm just I'm just pumped to be a part of it from the player standpoint. I know my guys in Nashville are excited, and I'm excited for this this thing to kick off this summer. And I think I think people have a reason to be hopeful and excited for the future of box in the states. Just it's you've already said it, it's booming, um, and I think we're what we're doing is just going to catapult it even further. Uh, pumped to be here pumped to get it going yeah reach out and connect with us uh like i said the instagram is the underscore box underscore league um reach out in the dms info at nabll.com um if you're interested in putting together a team or hoping to hoping to get involved in the league we, we'd love to work with you like like we said we have some tools to help you get off the ground help you get your get your feet underneath you um we want to grow this thing and we're hoping you guys want to be a part too yeah, to, to that point, uh, and we didn't touch on this yet, we're we're helping a couple teams that aren't going to have, well, teams, areas that aren't going to have teams this year, but they're looking to set up a house league or local area teams um, that want to have teams, you know, two, three years down the road. So even if you're a team or, you know, somebody that's interested in setting up a league, uh, reach out to us on the website or on the Instagram, and we'll kind of help you give you that framework. Because, you know, we want as many teams, we want as many successful programs as possible, even if it's a house league, um, it's people playing box. So that's, that's all yeah. we want. One thing I should have asked about, and, and this is from dealing with a lot of friends who have worked on leagues and things, the issue that always comes up is insurance, which I never, you know, I don't tend to think of, but I know that's a huge item. How have you addressed that? I mean, you've got folks you're working yeah, every, with? Every, every, we're buckling down which insurance company we're working with. Um, every player is going to register, every player who steps on the floor this summer is going to register through our website. Um, we're keeping the cost as close to cost as, as possible. Um, we're thinking 20 bucks max. Um, you sign up and we, you get, we get liability insurance, um, uh, for, for, for yourself and, uh, and the teams. Yeah. Okay. As well as the facilities, the leagues providing to the, for the home ranks and stuff like that. I didn't, I know I just threw that in at the end, but it was something that clicked that it always, always comes up where, uh, wherever, wherever there are new leagues, wherever there are new competitions. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, David Mather and Tim Semish, great to have you on the show. And uh, certainly wish you all the best 
going forward. And uh, I, I, from how, from what I know of you guys, I would say things are in good hands and it's, uh, I know it's not going to go easily. I know nothing like this is ever just a, a smooth, level road going up, up, up. But uh, I, I am pretty confident in the some of the folks involved that that there are going to be some positive things coming here. So uh, good luck and congrats on how far you've gotten so far. Thanks, Stamps. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Stamper. All right, lacrosse friends, I'll just about wrap things up for this episode of Laxbeat, the podcast formerly known as Box Labeat. I am your host, Stephen Stamp. Thank you so much for being with me here this week. Remember, lots of new things coming on the show, so subscribe, check it out, tell your friends, make sure you're coming regularly to Laxbeat. And thank you so much to you, lacrosse friends, for being here, to David Mather and Tim Semish, and keep coming back to Laxbeat, the best of lacrosse podcasting. We'll see you next time.